Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast. This is the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock write-up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. And now here's Andrew with your regularly scheduled podcast. Boom. We are back. Andrew Kuhn, Focused Compounding Podcast. Jeffrey Gannon, Focused Compounding Podcast. How's mm-hmm. it going? Very well. How's it going with you? It is going fantastic. It was 94 degrees yesterday. I don't know what it was today. I didn't look. It was kind of hot today, but yesterday yeah. it was 94 degrees. Can you mm-hmm. believe it? Yes, I was out there, so I could believe it. My mom texted me. She's in Illinois, mm-hmm. and or we were talking on the phone, and she was like, is it starting to heat up there? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's like 94 degrees. She's like, oh my gosh. And she said in Illinois, it was like 70s something. Yeah. Getting incredibly hot here. Hope everybody is doing well. Thanks so much for tuning in with us here today. If you're not following me on Twitter, why aren't you? At Focused Compound tweeting something out once a day for the next 30 days okay and then forever going forever forward. forward isn't okay. that right jeff yep if you like the work we're doing here please leave us a rating and review it helps us out a lot so today we're going to be talking about um cheapness uh versus quality okay i think this is sort of like the value slash growth you know sort of line in the sand when right, it comes yeah. to like investing and mm-hmm. a lot of people um spend a lot of time thinking about it and um there's some so, people are pretty interested to hear your thoughts on it. Okay, so this say? came from questions that you got from Twitter? Yeah, okay. but it's also, uh, I think, a pretty hot topic in, right. in the value investing mm-hmm. world, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of group it together. Um, but the question, it says, what do you think is more important, cheapness or quality? I guess you can't have both. But he says, mm-hmm. cheapness or quality? He says, Berkowitz versus Terry Smith, mm-hmm. which Berkowitz, Bruce Berkowitz, right. Terry Smith, who is he talking about? Uh, Fundsmith is what he does in the UK, yeah. Okay, there you go. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, they both work uh, when taken to their extremes. So I think if you own an extremely high-quality business for a long time, you'll do well. Mm-hmm. And if you buy an extremely cheap stock, you will do well. Um, there is a catch with both of them that um, it may turn out that you've bought something that isn't that high-quality that you thought. And um, with with value that you bought something you thought was a high value, um, which turns out not to have the assets that you thought or the earnings that you thought. So th- this gets tricky because of the academic side of it, which is um, if you just do this quantitatively, you can try to answer it. But I'm not sure that like when a lot of people talk about what's a high quality business or what's a value stock, some of the stocks they list from a screen are not what I would call a value stock or what i would call high quality so like what are they for people listening what do they call a value stock that you think is incorrect low price to book okay no matter what so it could be low price to book um it could be a low price to book life insurer sure um, which has no special means of distribution or something yeah 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 yeah. so if they were doing like um they got all their clients of direct mail that they do in this cheap way and whatever then maybe but they're selling through agents and things like that in a way that all sorts of other life insurers are, they're not going to have an advantage that way. If they're investing all in bonds that don't have very high returns, this is a company that's going to have a return on equity of 6% a year forever, you know? Sure. So it should trade at a low price to book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not a value stock in the same way that something that um, earns decent returns on equity would be, you know? Um, also, you know, in that category, I've talked about before, like um, net nets and things like that. 
net nets that were once profitable are value stocks, but net nets that are just um, they went public, they never really had much of a business. You know, in the in the internet age, there were some of these companies. Uh, they raised a lot of capital in an IPO, so they had a lot of cash, and now they're trading below net cash. Um, I don't know. There's no real business there. Ben yeah, Graham sure. never wrote about that. He wrote about businesses that were trading below net current assets and net cash and could be liquidated for um, more than they're worth, but actually were real businesses. Sure. So when you have things like Chinese um, verse merger frauds, which people would bring to me and say it's a net net, you know, um, technically, yeah, it's technically a net net, but I wouldn't count that. So there's a difference between like what a computer or an academic using a computer will say is a value stock and what actual value investors should um, find, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would think that they would find things that, um, you know, uh, it goes the other way too, which is like um, a stock might have a high price to book, but be worth less, be trade for less than what, you know, its assets are. Common examples are land things. We talked about that before. Mm -hmm. So we talked about some examples, um, uh, example we've used before is like Maui Land and Pineapple, which if it was at two or four times book value, would probably still be less than the land is worth because it's land on Maui and it's on the books at like prices from, yeah, I mean, none of the prices that I remember are from after the 30s mm-hmm. and a lot of it's from before then, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, you know. If you had to pick one camp to sit in, where would you sit? Uh, or does it depend on the market? Because, I mean, how do you think, I guess, quality companies... Which stocks do you think would perform better in, let's say, a bear market? Uh, Value stocks? Uh, yeah. No, value stocks perform best in a recovery from a bear market, in the okay. first stage of a bull market. Okay. Yeah. So if you had so to pick- quality stocks, in quality stocks, if they don't have crazy multiples, would perform fine in a down market. But you but what happens is you get like the nifty fifty or something mm-hmm. or the end of the dot com period. So you have Coke at sixty times earnings. Yeah. Well yeah, of course it's gonna go down then. But if Coke was at twenty five times earnings, it wouldn't go down that okay. much. It's yeah. just that that last few years where it went to a crazy price. Yeah. Do you think people forget about the value camp because the market has been I mean, it's been more volatile probably this year than it has in, in I guess you can still we're up about 10 or 11 percent mm-hmm. on the year but do you think people sort of forget about the value camp because the market has generally just been kind of going up like all tech stocks yeah. for example fang it's just been mm-hmm. going up every single day yeah you know so then there's these incredible multiples that are people willing to pay i mean i've spoken to people before and i know mm-hmm. i've told you this pu- privately um you know i know a couple people who they say they're perfectly happy paying 40 times ebit for a great business right and i know even without even coming to you first to talk to you about this, I knew Jeff Cannon would never pay 40 times right. for a great business. Correct. So it's almost like your style of value investing, in my mind, is completely different than these other value investors who are okay paying these crazy multiples because the business is growing so fast. Yeah. So my question is, does that work well in a bear market? I mean, I'm sorry, in a bull market yeah. as opposed to a bear market. Yeah, in the last know? stages of a bull market, buying some of the most expensive things will perform best probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, you in the ran, very last stages that will perform the best of anything, probably. Yeah, and you ran a, you did a blog post once on, mm-hmm. I think it was on like handy picking a stock and like the right multiples to choose. Okay, yeah. Do you do you remember the specifics about it? I mean, like how would you go about paying X multiple for a stock that was growing X percent? Oh, okay. So so here's the thing. So technically, um, 
it's not impossible to make money paying 40 times earnings or something, even mm -hmm. for some stocks that don't have really high growth rates. The issue mostly has to do with the durability. So it has to do with very high returns um, or high enough returns on capital for a very, very long period of time. Mm -hmm. Like some people would ask me, what did I think BWX Technologies um, multiple should be? Because the multiple is maybe 15 or something when we uh, bought it. Um, like when we wrote it up for the singular diligence uh, report. Um, in theory, it should be really high. Mm -hmm. Sure, it should in theory be 30 times or something because you have um, very high return contracts with the, the U.S. Navy that you're fulfilling and you're likely to know what the Navy is going to do for the next 30 years or something. So sure, yeah. And maybe C's Candy should be really high. And maybe Coke, if it was growing, you know, much should be really high. Eventually, some of them don't grow at all, though, and then that multiple would have to come down a huge amount. Um, but I mean... It, the, the big thing with like, so I consider myself a value investor, but I was talking to someone recently and I said, you know, um, that a, what that means mostly in terms of what I do every day is um, we'd like to buy things that, you know, uh, we, we, we would like to buy things at less than 13 times earnings. Mm -hmm. And we're probably not going to pay more than 30 times earnings for anything, uh, continue to own something that goes to past 30 times earnings, no matter how good it is, you know. Um, that may not be the smartest thing generally. But even if we owned a Coca-Cola, I don't think we would own it. You know, back when Buffett bought it, sure. uh, you know, in the late '80s, um, or I don't think we would continue to hold it at some point where it went over thirty times earnings. Um, Why do you think he didn't sell it? Because uh, he had said or? things about it, and it was in Berkshire at the time. You know, if he was running the partnership, I think he would have just sold it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just because it was Berkshire that way. I mean, it's hard for him. He has an incredible amount of money. He has to find something else to put it into. Yeah, um, a lot of stocks were expensive in the late '90s. It's not like Coke got expensive or anything else stayed cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, so even when we're talking about a high quality business, we try to pay a low price. So I mean, I like quality a lot. Um, I just wrote a letter to clients where I talked about saying that the stock that we bought, I thought was fit the. Um, Definition of what Buffett talks about as an inevitable, that it's the inevitable leader in its field. You know, that 10, 20, 30 years from now, it'll still be selling the most of what it does. Uh, but we paid nine times earnings or a little less than nine times earnings mm -hmm. for it. So, yeah, I like quality a lot. I don't want to buy the number two or number three in that industry. I want to buy the number one. Sure. But, yeah, I'd like to buy it at nine times earnings, not 19 or 29. Do you think it's nine times earnings because... I don't know. I think because because the industry not... hasn't been hot since the housing uh bust okay. so a very long time because so, it's not a, a united states company it's all I'll say about the business yeah yeah and you know things like that so yeah and less liquid than some and no analyst coverage and things like that sure do you think if and i don't know if you've ran some studies on this if you bought a basket of just cheap stocks and a basket of just high quality stocks mm -hmm. what do you think would perform better cheap ones so i've looked at that somewhat but i guess it's kind of hard to quantify right because at what price are you paying for the high quality? Or are you just kind sure. of, I mean, you're probably not disregarding it altogether, right? But, uh, but I'll give you an example, um, and it's closer than people think. So uh, if you buy, so people seem to tend to think that if you buy net nets, you have to sell them really fast because holding them for a long time doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And that's not really true because I've done some, some uh, back tests of certain things and things to see on a breakdown by stock what really happens. The problem with net nets is that some of them go to zero. So selecting the wrong net nets is the problem. But actually, if you select a decent net net, um, 
the the ones that perform well continue could could outperform the market if you bought them and held them for like 10 years i mean they they really can and the math works pretty well that way because if you think about how cheap a net net is and you say okay well if something goes from two-thirds of net current asset value let's say to you know probably almost two times net current asset value or something being um more of a normal price for something that's not a normal price for stock exactly but that's the kind of thing it would go to it's not going to just go to one times net current assets um you know that's a basically a triple right there so even if the stock doesn't grow earnings and things if it triples uh, in price you can afford to hold something that takes 10 years to triple sure. that actually works out fine yeah um and it will grow a little bit um and the same thing with quality there have been tests of things like uh what would have really happened if you bought the nifty 50 and the answer is the longer and longer you held it the more okay it would have done um because a bunch of those companies did fine the danger is that a few of those companies uh, really declined. They turned out not to be as good as like, you know, Coke and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. You had some in there that, well, you have some that were, you know, eventually were things like uh, Polaroid and Xerox and things that, you know, had inventions that are not a big part of our economy now. Mm-hmm. When you think about like, and, and you also wrote another blog post about this, um, like Amazon, Facebook mm-hmm. and Google, like how big can they get? You know, at what price is it like too high of a multiple because the business is already so big? Well, mathematically, it's hard to say. For me, you know, that's they've for a long, long time have been in that range where mm-hmm. it's just too much to pay um, because you, the certainty that you'd have to have is so high. Um, that's what we're really talking about here is that you'd have to have it's, it's really the certainty that you have, not what the growth rate might be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, those are a lot of those are high multiples, but not all of them. Um, I could see some people defending, you know, um, I could see some people defending Google or something like that. Um, I would have, there'd be more trouble with, um, you know, Netflix or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about Berkshire buying Amazon, which obviously wasn't Warren? Right. Uh, that, you know, makes sense for them uh, with how much money they have to manage. I think the average person shouldn't buy, you know, FANG stocks because I don't think the average person doesn't have a need to buy them. Um, and I think there are a lot of stocks out there that have some advantages. Um, I think we tend to overstate and get too focused on talking about those sorts of things. They become like a fad that way, you know, Sure. they, there's substance to that fad. Um, these are real companies that are earning a lot of money in most cases, and, um, they're growing very fast and they have great returns on capital and all that. But why are we only talking about those and not talking about anything else? We just had a, because it's sexy, right? Yeah. Well, we just had a write up on the, um, uh, so focuscompoundinggazette.com has it, and that goes out each week to people and stuff. But it's the write-up that's at the um, website, so the full write-up's at Focus Compounding. And it's about Games Workshop, which is a stock in the UK that does the the biggest IP they have is Warhammer 40,000, but they also have the Warhammer Fantasy um, uh, World 2 as well. So they're the Warhammer, and uh, it has, you know, 50% returns on capital kind of things it's grown like 20 30 percent a year in terms of sales the last couple of years it has um as wide a mode as you know probably i've seen in entertainment type stuff uh but you know and it's a hot stock now compared to what it used to be but it's not like uh, a fang type stock in uh-huh. terms of the multiples that it ends up getting or in terms of just everyone obsessing about those particular stocks you know there's lots of stocks that have you know pretty wide moats in in different things even some of the most expensive things that I've talked about on this podcast, um, even when I talk about something like BWX Technologies, very expensive stock from basically all the time we've been doing this podcast, I think. Um, it's not as talked about as much as, you know, those sorts of uh, 
you know, Fang type stocks and things like yeah, that. It's kind of like a cult following, right? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of high quality businesses out there. There are lots of companies with wide moats. A lot of them get expensive, um, but you don't have to talk about them. Um, you don't have to see if you're reading media things and stuff. It's all about you know a small number of stocks. That's what it's totally, always about. Yeah. It's also about a small number of. Um, thing trends in our uh, society and stuff. Well, too, that's the thing, know? right? Who wants to read about nuclear reactors right. in the Navy or, or um, video games or whatever mm-hmm. the heck you just talked about, right. right? It's just like, and and I feel like Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos is always in the news, mm-hmm. right? And Netflix is is in the news always like in the hunt with, with Hulu. It's like all yeah. these companies and like Apple and Tim Cook, Google, they're good uh, viewership, right? right. For, for media it, companies. yeah. And there's trends that follow the same things too where people talk about all the time about, you know, uh, self-driving cars and cannabis and things like that now. Um, and that might change, you know, those things don't have any real substance to them as compared to the stocks that we're talking about. But the fact that people are talking about the stocks is often can be the personalities involved. Those sorts yeah. of things. I remember, you know, when I started investing in stuff, the most likely company on like the front of your, um, you know, your Forbes and your fortune stuff was probably GE, you know, <laughs> and then if, you yeah. know, and now they might talk about GE in terms of the bad things that are happening there, sure, yeah. but also just talk about it less. Yeah. Well, I mean, the types of companies people look for, I feel like, are, I mean, but I mean, now I don't know, I don't know from your experience, but it's like me, it's like, there's always like these new public offerings and all mm-hmm. these cool companies. I mean, when you first started, was it still like industrial type, like, you know, like GE or like Coca-Cola, all these companies that people now would probably consider boring? Um, some of it was, but a lot was internet stuff. A huge amount yeah. was internet stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was less substances internet things than there are in the ones that are left today, you know. But we've had a bunch of IPOs of other sorts of things. So. What do you think about companies, and this is sort of off topic, mm-hmm. but what do you think about companies um, going public later? Uh, I think they have to because they lose money longer. Really? Yeah. I mean, because it's like, you know, Uber going public and I'm kind of going a completely different direction. I'll bring mm-hmm. it back. But um, they're talking about like Uber going public and it's like Uber's like a been around for like eight years. It's like a mature company that still yeah. loses billions of dollars a year. It's a whole nother category. I don't know what to say about those. I mean, I don't want to yeah. upset people by saying what I think about those sorts of things. But um, <laughs> but there, some of these are of a completely different type than what we've seen before in public markets yeah these are companies that have lost money while scaling up to very large size because mm-hmm. people are you know buy into the netflix and amazon thing which yeah. is okay so once we get really big scale then we can achieve these sorts of um returns so it makes sense to invest in early on in you know uh years where you don't make money uh, and that's true to some extent but there's also business models that no matter how much you scale them up will never uh, make a lot of money mm. and so some of those i don't yeah, you know, Amazon has an $874 billion market cap and is mm-hmm. trading, if CNN money is correct, which we'll take it for it is, uh, 72 times earnings. Okay. Let's, guys, let's see. Netflix trading, uh, let's see, 126 times the, earnings. The number that I would use more for like something like Netflix, for instance. Probably is, price of sales. Yeah, price of sales yeah. is too okay. high at well, Netflix. There you go. That's Seven, the problem. 7.6. That, that's yeah. the problem is that the price of sales is yeah. too high. And then you go to Amazon, it's only three. And then Apple. Uh, like, uh, for instance, when I think about these things, I'm thinking in my head, what's the most expensive price to sales stock we own? I know what it is. Um, I know what its margins are. I yeah. don't think Netflix will ever have the same margins that our stock that has that mm-hmm. has. And it's trading for a higher price to sales already. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with that. You know, you have to have incredible margins to support a price to sales at that sort of level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the but the issue is... But is people it, in the quality camp, their, their argument is that what? Revenue is going to continue to accelerate... Yes. So it's worth paying the high multiple for no, these companies. 
let's put it this way. If we're having this discussion right now about cheapness or quality, what should you bet on? Yeah. You should all be betting on cheapness yes. right now, today. But not necessarily long term. It's just that cheapness is cheap and quality is expensive right now. Yeah. And, I mean, people are – there's too much, uh, especially among value investor types and things like that, have adopted the sort of ideas of wide moat stuff to such an extent now mm-hmm. that it's not as attractive a place to invest in as it once was. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. There, the people have gotten too caught up in that because it's become too comfortable. It's performed too well recently. Uh, but that's not true generally. I want to buy quality things. Sure. Uh, and I don't have a real preference. Although I say I'm a value investor, I don't have a preference for buying things that are a bit cheaper if I think that they're not the leader in their field or something. I much prefer having the company um, with the wider moat, with the stronger position long-term in an industry. But that's so expensive in some cases with some of these uh, things where you have the quality growth thing. I mean, all of these are things where I think the value investors say, I mean, I don't know, you might know better than me about this, but they say that they have wide moats. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't sure. that what we're talking about with all the Fang things? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they so you have some people who say we're, they're value investors. Absolutely. And yet they own Fang stocks. Uh-huh. They know they're paying a high price. Because they think they're incredible businesses. And the moats are enormous. And Right. Yeah. So, and I don't think they're wrong about that. But I think that they're, you know, they're paying a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And the time to buy those things is when that's less true. There's so many stocks that I've owned in the past or consider buying in the past that are so expensive now versus what they once were. And they just aren't going to offer the same returns. I, you know, I like quality as much as anyone else probably, uh, but I'm not willing to pay a lot for it. So, you know, I talked about before I paid, um, I don't know, 10, 11, maybe 11 times free cash flow for FICO after the financial crisis of 2009, yeah, about 10 years ago. Hmm. My guess is the stock is a 30 something PE right now. Um, you know, it's not growing any faster. It's, None of those things are true. It's it's just three times more expensive. So um, it's as sure a thing as it was 10 years ago in terms of the business, but the stock isn't. If you triple the price that you're paying, it becomes not a sure thing. Sure. Yeah. Got it. Cool. We're going to do what we did on our last episode. Okay. We're going to switch over to our YouTube segment. Mm-hmm. So this is the end of the podcast. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us. If you want to listen to the extended version, which we're going to be going over a few more questions, head over to YouTube, type in Focus Compounding, you'll see the extended version of this podcast. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us. Feel free to leave a rating and review that helps spread the word for Jeff and myself. And obviously we're greatly appreciative of that. We'll see you on the YouTube side. Take care. Hey, this is Jeff Gannon, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Andrew and I talk general investing concepts. To learn about specific stocks I like, go to focuscompoundinggazette.com. That's focuscompoundinggazette.com, and enter your email. Once you enter your email, you'll start getting one free 2,000-word stock write-up a week. Andrew and I also manage accounts for clients. To learn more about our managed accounts, email Andrew at info at focuscompounding.com or text or call Andrew at 469-207-5844. Thanks for listening.